text is in Numbers 16. So this is another message in the Wilderness series. And this is popularly known as Korah's Rebellion. And I'll read from verse 1 through 35, so quite a bit. Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face, and he spoke to Korah and all his company, saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show you who is his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near to him. That one whom he chooses he will cause to come near to him. Do this. Take censers, Korah, and all your company. Put fire in them and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. Then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi. Is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to serve them, and that he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi, with you? And are you seeking the priesthood also? Therefore you and all your company are gathered against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you complain against him? And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, but they said, We will not come up. Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, that you should keep acting like a prince over us? Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Then Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, Do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I hurt one of them. And Moses said to Korah, Tomorrow you and all your company be present before the Lord, you and they as well as Aaron. Let each take his censer and put incense in it, and each of you bring his censer before the Lord, 250 censers, both you and Aaron, each with his censer. So every man, now it's the next day, so every man took his censer, put fire in it, laid incense on it, and stood at the door of the tabernacle of meeting with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. Then they fell on their faces and said, O God, O God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation? So the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the congregation, saying, Get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. 
And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally, like all men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now it came to pass, as he finished speaking all these words, that the ground split apart under them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the men with Korah, with all their goods. So they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them, and they perished from among the assembly. Then all Israel who were around them fled at their cry, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, that it is instructive to us as it was to the people that witnessed it. We ask you now, Lord, to honor yourself, to glorify yourself uh, through uh, what is presented. And we thank you, Father, so much for your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I had to read all of that, as you can tell, because you need to know the whole story. And yet, uh, I believe it's probably, even though you read it, I believe there are parts that you overlook. And I'm going to make you aware of a few things that you might not have known before now. So, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and 250 men, leaders of the congregation of Israel, rebel. And now, what I want you to first note is what Moses says in verse 16, when they come and complain to him. And Moses said to Korah, Tomorrow you and all your company be present before the Lord, you and they as well as Aaron. And then he goes on to explain about the censors. He is exercising leadership in commanding them how God is going to decide who is leading. And so it's interesting to me. Korah obeys. But Dathan and Abiram do not. Dathan and Abiram refuse to do what it is Moses is commanding them to do. Korah obeys, I think, through habit. He is used to being commanded what to do by these priests because the Levites are in submission to the priests and he's closer to them, closer to them in leadership. So they obey. They go there and they bring these censers. Dathan and Abiram did not show up. They stayed at their tents, as is proved by verse 25. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram and the elders of Israel followed him. So they refused to comply with Moses' demand that they show up to have God declare who would be the leader. Then we have them being swallowed by the earth the moment Moses stops talking. And then fire, if that isn't enough, fire falls from the Lord and destroys those 250 men that are burning incense against God's law. Now, I have a question for you. Who was swallowed up by the earth? Dathan and Abiram's families were swallowed up by the earth. And Korah was swallowed up by the earth. But Korah's tent, his family, was not swallowed up by the earth. And there is a reason that that did not occur. Let me go to Numbers 26 and read to you a few verses. It is during the second census 
the first census occurred at the beginning of Numbers. And so here in the second census, I'll read starting at verse 9. The sons of Eliab were Nemuel, Dathan, and Abiram. These are the Dathan and Abiram, representatives of the congregation who contended against Moses and Aaron in the company of Korah when they contended against the Lord. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah when that company died, when the fire devoured 250 men, and they became a sign. Nevertheless, the children of Korah did not die. So Dathan and Abiram's entire family lines ended that day. God took them all out. They took, he took the rep, these two representative rebels from the family of Reuben out, along with all of their posterity, by having the earth swallow them up. Korah was with them at their tents, so he died as well. But Moses is clear here, ten chapters later, that Korah's children did not die. Now, Korah was a Levite. Korah was a descendant of the man who was responsible for entering into the tabernacle and carrying out the holy things. They weren't allowed to touch them. The priests first had to cover them elaborately with all of these beaver skins. And so only then could Korah and his uh, like family members, the Kohathites, enter in and carry them out. There were three Levitical families tasked with bearing these burdens. And so one of them would deal with all the externals of the tabernacle. One would deal with all the foundation elements in the structure of the tabernacle. And then the the Kohathites would deal with the actual internals. They would carry them. They were not allowed to use animal carts. They had to transport these on themselves. They were, these people were the beasts of burden God used to move his most holy things. Let me read to you Numbers 4, verses... 15 to 20. And when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, when the camp is set to go, then the sons of Kohath shall come to carry them, but they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. These are the things in the tabernacle of meeting which the sons of Kohath are to carry. The appointed duty of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, is the oil for the light, the sweet incense, the daily grain offering, the anointing oil, and oversight of all the tabernacle, of all that is in it with the sanctuary and its furnishings. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Do not cut off the tribe of the families of the Kohathites from among the Levites. So he's commanding them to do their jobs well, because if the Kohathites come into the tabernacle and touch any of this stuff against God's law, they die instantly. But do this in regard to them, that they may live and not die when they approach the most holy things. Aaron and his sons shall go in and appoint each of them to his service and his task, but they shall not go in to watch while the holy things are being covered, lest they die. So these Kohathites are not allowed to see the holy things. Touch them, lest they die. Now, what is obvious is that Korah came to resent this role. And I believe that Dathan and Abiram, leaders of the Reubenites, came to Korah to lament their poor situation and their being upset with Moses and having left Egypt. And they convinced him that he was just a human beast of burden. And he felt demeaned. He felt diminished by this. And he took their uh, opposition to Moses as his own. We are all holy. The whole assembly is holy. Who are you to lord this over us? So see, what is interesting about this, though, is this. 
Let's turn to 1 Chronicles 6. Well, I won't have to read it. But in 1 Chronicles 6, we read a genealogy of the birth of Samuel the prophet. He is a son of Korah. Seventh generation son of Korah. And turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 44. So, Psalm 44. What do you read there when you open up to Psalm 44? To the chief musician, a contemplation of the sons of Korah. 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49. They all say that. These psalms are attributed to the sons of Korah, the very man who perished with Dathan and Abiram in the earth. Yet God protected his seed because it was his plan to have these Kohathites continue to perform their function for him. And so Korah himself, though accustomed to obeying Moses, was himself rebelling against his authority, yet God preserved his line. He didn't rebel entirely like Dathan and Abiram had done. He obeyed Moses. When Moses told him exactly how God was going to decide who was holy, Korah and his uh, conspirators, or Moses, Korah obeyed. He continued to obey. And so what is evident in this is that God's grace covered Korah's family, even though he himself perished. So he sinned. He led a rebellion that resulted in his execution. But yet his family survived because of that habit of obedience that he had. They came when Moses called. Dathan and Abiram did not. And so God extended blessing and grace to Korah's descendants despite his rebellion. And see, we benefit in the same way. We might have in our family line people who have rebelled against the Lord, egregiously rebelled against the Lord, and yet God holds that person accountable for that sin and yet preserves us and we benefit from the grace of God to us. Of course, entirely unmerited, and yet uh, we benefit. And so I think let Korah's lesson and Dathan and Abiram's lesson, there are three different people, and in a sense, yes, it's Korah's rebellion, but Dathan and Abiram suffered much more. But let that be a lesson to us, that our uh, sinfulness can result in us suffering for it and being uh, judged for it, being rebuked for it. And yet, God may and will and often does preserve those that are your posterity, even though we don't deserve it. God's grace prevails, and He has a plan. His plan incorporated Korah in the specific form of Samuel, being this prophet that uh, rose up to really bring people back to the Lord in His day. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word which is uh, so clear to us at times, it is easy to miss uh, sometimes the meaning that you have for us. And yet we pray, Lord, that we would uh, read it, meditate on it, focus on what it is that you're truly saying to us. And Lord, your grace uh, just uh, appears throughout uh, the old and new. Uh, people, uh, modern Christians, are so quick to judge the Old Testament as deficient in grace. And yet, Father, your grace uh, is just uh, woven throughout it. 
So we thank you, Father, for that grace at work in the lives of these people uh, uh, so many thousands of years ago, and it works still in our lives today. Please have this food and uh, bread and wine to strengthen our bodies so that we might serve you more faithfully. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.